the blast from our past network. When one note is off, it eventually destroys the whole symphony, David. When you close your eyes, do you dream of me? I don't dream at all. No one understands the lonely perfection of my dreams. I found perfection here. I've created it. Perfect organism. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and this week we are going to be covering the movie Alien Covenant. We're continuing with our franchise walkthrough of Alien, and we've hit the last one. Dean, how's it going? Good. It's uh, it's sad it's the last one. Um, I wanted to start off this podcast by doing my Walter impression, but I thought you might not like that, so don't worry, Tim, I won't do it. Actually, I didn't mind that. Give us a little bit, Dean. Now you're on the spot. Um, that, that you are a primitive model. <laughs> I can't create. People were afraid of the David model. You scared people. I don't know how to do it. I wasn't practicing it, so that I apologize for that. Yours is pretty good. Oh, thanks, man. You're welcome. Um, I'm just trying to think of more things to say as Walter. Is that a question? He um, does a lot of looking and absorbing yeah and walter walter's re- doing, awesome he's very retrospective yeah i really like walter that's what i took away from this watch i really like walter well of course yeah walter's awesome yeah i'm a big fan of this whole prequel idea i know you are as well we talked about it in our prometheus episode that's all Oh, yeah. Um, Sorry, was that for me to to chime in there? Yes, I am also a big fan of the prequel idea. Love Prometheus. Uh, Yeah, when we when we do our rundown of um, of movies, Tim, when we do a little wrap up and we rank them, that one's going to be pretty high. This is yeah, that will be an interesting ranking uh, in our you're alluding to our um, franchise wrap up episode that will be coming out um, post release of this episode where we just kind of go mm-hmm. back and touch on all the movies uh, just in a single episode. Those are a lot of fun. And we'd rank our favorites. So that, that'll that be interesting. Dean, guess what I remember? What do you remember? I remember going to this movie with you. Yes, Tim, you remember I one. I finally remember one. <laughs> this was a great day, Tim. This was a great oh, day. Oh, my goodness. I know. It was awesome. We did a double feature. We did a double feature at the theater. It was oh, incredible. Man. So much fun. I don't think since that time there have been two movies in the theater at the same time that I wanted to see, like back to back. Yeah. So that's why that was so special. That was, yeah, the, the those two movies are uh, two high-ranking movies for you. You love them both. I do. 
everybody's wondering what the other one I'm other one sorry everybody's wondering what the other one is <laughs> let let's not tell them tim let's just make them go look Ooh. at box office stats and try to guess what it is that would be so rude to do that because people the listeners should drop us I a know. line if they if they figure it out but but here's the thing is they tune in just to listen they don't tune in to go and do homework uh. so i will share it with everybody it was guardians of the galaxy 2 it was one of my faves, my absolute a great faves. Flick. Yeah, yeah. This movie, Alien Covenant, was released in 2017 with a budget of around a hundred million dollars, and the film grosses 240 million dollars, and cool. is seen as a failure. And I just don't get it. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Production company. Fine. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Have you heard of Double or Nothing? Yeah. When you win that, that's a pretty good thing. It's a great day if you win double or nothing. It's the best thing that could have possibly happened. Yeah. How is double or nothing a failure? I ask you that yeah. production company. Stupid. Settle that's down. stupid, Tim. You spent $100 million on this movie. You got more than that. Here's the thing. Spend $100 million on the movie. Make $100 million so you break even. But now you've created this amazing movie as well. So you haven't yeah. even just broken even. You've broken even and produced an incredible work of art. That should be more than enough. But no. Yeah, but you know, they double they, their they money. They better than that. Yeah. Yeah. They spent $100 million on it, and then they took $100 million to the bank after. Right. And they were upset about it. Yeah. I mean, it, that would be a good day for me if I took $100 million to the bank. Yeah, the, the briefcase wasn't heavy enough for them. I guess so. It only took seven guys to carry the cash into the bank listen in up, hockey listen bags. Listen up, studio. <laughs> Not a failure. Not yeah. A failure. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Dean. Success. Not a failure. Yeah. This movie, just fine. Okay? Make more. Calling it a failure? That's a failure. You're the failure. For not you, Dean, but the the the, the okay, production company. I was, I was, for calling this yeah. movie a failure, you're a failure. Exactly. Yes. I'm hey, glad we got to the bottom of hey, that. Hey, production company. If you get a problem with that, why don't you drop us a line? Interesting. Assholes. Yeah. That would be that would be interesting if our first line dropped was a production company trying to convince us that uh Covenant was a failure. That would be a great call. I would I would serve them up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd let them know. We'd bring them on the show and then serve them a plate. Of what? Of something. Of what? Failure. We'd serve them. We'd serve them a failure plate? Yeah. A, a dead bones of a fish. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. I can't yeah. believe you actually pulled something out, Dean. I thought I that there. was going nowhere and you got us out of it. Great. Usually it's going nowhere. It's hard for me to pull things out, but I did it. I, I usually just edit that stuff out, but I'm going to leave that in because you got there. Oh, thank you got goodness. there for us. Yeah. This movie was directed by Ridley Scott. Makes good movies. I like his movies. I definitely like his alien movies. Yes. He makes my favorite movie. Yes. Your favorite movie of all time is Alien. Yes. For people who are just tuning in this week for the first time. Hey, thanks for listening. By the way, thanks for checking us out. Music, Dean, on this movie was done by a Jed Kurzel, and he's an Australian singer-songwriter 
and founder of the band The Mess Hall. And cool. Yeah, this was his biggest movie ever scored. And I just think it was a really interesting choice. I, I always yeah. love and I always appreciate when they go to like musicians to score a movie. Yeah. I think it always works out. Yeah, it does often work out. Um, often. That's a better that's a better way to put yeah. it. Often. I like this score a lot. Uh, there's some organ in it. It sounds like Interstellar in spots and I really like it. Yeah, it's really eerie. And I just thought yeah. really well done. And I thought it paired very well with Prometheus, with the with the sound of Prometheus. So like it. Cinematography. Uh, this guy's from Poland, so I'm gonna try to put the pronunciation on his name. Uh Dariusz Wolski from nice. Warsaw, Got Poland. It. It's probably nothing like that, but that's fine. He's done some blockbusters, Dean. This guy did cinematography on The Crow, Dark City, four of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I have no idea if that's all of them or how many of those fucking movies there were. I saw the first one and I I, I walked the plank after the first one. Yes, Tim. That's a good call. I think there's five, I think. Okay, There might sure. be six. I'll take your word for it. He did The Martian and he did Prometheus. So cool. I do like that they kept the same sim- cinematographer um, from Prometheus just to kind of provide that similar vibe because I kind of like get the feeling this just could have been one big movie. Could have been like you could have made these two into one big four hour movie and I think it would have been just fine. Yeah. Um, you would have it, had to change sure a few is. things, yeah. but I think you definitely yeah. have the makings of one big story. Yeah, definitely. Um, it it because you have a huge cast switch over that makes it a little difficult to be one big movie. But I mean, it would have been pretty cool if it was one big movie and the cast switched halfway through. Yeah, it would have been interesting. Really interesting. That's kind of that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it would have been really interesting. I've I've always thought that about these two. They just feel so yeah. similar to each other. Definitely, definitely. In two thousand and twelve, when Covenant was in development, the plan for it was to be more of a direct sequel. To Prometheus by actually following Dr. Shaw onto a new planet. Interesting. That's actually what I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah, when I was going into it. Same. Um, th- that whole take on it would have moved the series further away from the xenomorph mythology and like more in the direction of the engineers and how they created humanity right. and created the aliens. Um. There was then supposed to be one more prequel after Covenant that would tie in directly to the first Alien film. Um, Ridley Scott had incorrectly assumed that fans had grown tired of the overuse of the xenomorphs in the movies, and he wanted to try this new approach. And after Prometheus, he would admit to being wrong about that because the reactions for Prometheus were split. And because of that... Because of those reactions, he abandoned his original plan and decided to reintroduce the Xenomorph mythology sooner than he had planned, inserting it into Covenant. See, that's interesting, because I think the splits happen to be with the Xenomorph stuff that's happening in those in Prometheus. Like, I think if it was oh, just, just an engineer thinking, movie, thinking... I feel, yeah, if it was just an engineer movie, I feel like it would have been accepted more. I mean, that's, that's, 
I'm not sure what the split was. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if the split was that there wasn't enough Xenomorph. I'm not sure if the split was that people didn't like the Xenomorph or the alien that we got. Yeah. Um, I thought it was all great. I thought it was all cool. So I, I know, I definitely know there was a split with people who liked that movie and didn't like the movie. Yeah. I'm not really sure what it was, but apparently he thought, you know, let's subdue the whole Xenomorph and get to some other stories. And apparently, you know, he lost people on that. But at the same time, I think he gained right. people on the other end of it. So. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, so he goes it's back to bringing Xenomorphs back in. Yeah, so I, I like it. He brings them in earlier. He wasn't going to bring it in as much in Covenant. He was going to bring them in more in the next one to tie into Alien. Okay. Uh, yeah. But I, I believe, Dean, that there still is a third prequel in the works. There's uh, I mean, there's something... gotta, there's still got to be something connecting, I think. Yeah, there's something um, called Alien Awakening that I've been reading about. And... My body's ready for it, Dean. I don't know about your body, but my body's ready for oh, it. Oh, I'm so ready. I'll be so awake for that one. I can't yeah, wait. That'll be an awakening for me. Oh, it'll be, yes. It'll be an awakening for me too. I'll awaken myself back into the franchise. Yes. So that's when we go back and do them all again. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what we talked about with Predator. When a new Predator comes out, we go back and we do them all again. Now, Dean, here's something for you. While Covenant is the latest film in the franchise, it's the first to discontinue the use of subsequent letters of the alphabet for the synthetic characters. You have Ash and Alien, Bishop and Aliens, Call and Alien Resurrection, and David and Prometheus, ABCD. Walter broke this tradition with his name being a nod to the series producer, Walter Hill. Interesting. Also, Tim, if you turn a W on its side, it's an E. And if you turn it upside down, it's an M. But what, where are we going with this? It can be many different letters. Okay. Um, I'm just saying E is the next letter. So if you turn it on its side, it's an E. Okay. Wow. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. It was, it's That's the big take I have for this movie. <laughs> okay. That's all I have. Awesome. I think you're, yeah. I think you're accurate. It's pretty accurate. Pretty yeah. accurate take. Um, David Dean was actually a nod to the other longtime Alien producer, David Giller. Oh, okay, cool. Just happened to work out that it was also the ABCD. Well, they got David in there, and then they're like, well, Walt, you know, Walter wants to get his name in the movie as well, so we're going <laughs> right. to have to just, we're Walt have to break from what we've been doing, and we got to go with Walter. Yeah. I like, I like the name, name Walter. It's great. Yeah, yeah, great name. So straight up incredible intro to this movie. We've talked about it Agreed. many times before offline. Um, we get a flashback sequence to David essentially being born. And I, dude, I love the room that they're in. Like among other things. I, oh, yeah. I want to touch on the room first of all, because that's kind of what you see right off the bat. This yeah. room, it's so white. It's so shiny. You've got this like giant floor to ceiling windows. And then out of that, you see a lake. And I like to think that that's just a screen. Because they're most likely mm. on a space station or a spaceship. Interesting. Yeah, I never really thought about that. I love just the whole idea that he, because he's just, he's, this has got to be some sort of a lab. You know, he just, yeah, he's I like waking up for the first time. So I love that this is just his wake up moment. 
Yeah, I was thinking that. I was like, where is this? Like, where are we? Is this his house? This is such a weird giant room. It has this amazing view. I love the birds that are flying in the background. Like, it's actually nature happening back there. It's not just that you can, like, look and see. There's animals out there. There's wildlife. I really love it. But I was thinking, like, where are we? Is this, does he live here? Or is this just some sort of office where he works? I was very confused about what room we were in. So, I, yeah, I, I love it. It looks it looks very striking. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. We see David is talking to Wayland, his creator. Wayland tells David that he created him and that David is his son. David wants to know who created Wayland, but Wayland doesn't know. He says it's the only question that matters, and he hopes to one day find out. And David then strikes a nerve when he clarifies that Wayland will die, but David won't. And Wayland, being a believer of creation, in my opinion, is driven by and hates two things. One, the fact that he's going to die. And two, the fact that he doesn't know who or what created him. Yeah, he wants to know... Those two things, those are sort of the two things that drive him. We know that from Prometheus. And David, within the first few minutes of his life, has figured out that he is superior to his creator. He will do the two things already that Wayland dreams to do, wants to do. The only two things he wants to do, meet his creator, David's there talking to him, and live forever, which is what David does. So right away... He has a thought that he is better than his creator. Yeah. I love this opening scene, Tim. I can watch it over and over again and get sort of different feelings on it and different takes on it. It yeah. is so, so crucial to the movie because um, this movie is going to be, you know, a lot about David. So it's so crucial to this movie. And I, I think you need to watch it over and over to really get a good grasp on what is going to be happening for the rest of the movie. Yeah, for sure. You can watch this whole movie over and over again and keep like, you know, readjusting your take on things which i always love about a movie exactly same it just like depends on what you're into and what you've been thinking about lately yeah. and that's what you will that's what you'll take out of it it's great right yeah like th this most recent viewing it was the first time I, I thought they might be on a space station or spaceship just yeah i always assumed before they were just at his house somewhere right but then i thought back yeah. to prometheus and in that um that escape pod that vickers has she's in that at one point and one of her walls is just Nate. It's like a nature screen and it makes yeah. you feel like you're just in nature there. So I, I thought, you know, that might be going on here and I like it. So we head into space and we see a ship. It's the covenant crew complement of 15 cargo of 2000 colonists and 1140 embryos. Destination is a planet called Oragai six and the ETA is seven and a half years. Now, we see what looks to be David manning the ship while the crew is in cryo, very similar to Prometheus. But this isn't David, this is Walter. Now, I really liked how they made Walter look. He's, he's oh, yeah. very often wearing a hoodie. Um, in many instances, it looks like he's robbing the place. Like He's just like a totally. thief in yeah. the dark. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was gonna say he he looks like David, except if David like 
got fired or something and lost his job and then was just like on the streets for a couple weeks. Like he looks like he's going to rob the place. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was a really interesting take on the synthetic character. And we talked about it a little bit in the Prometheus episode where we were saying some of the things David was doing was just to fit in and be perceived as more human-like. So I feel Mm, like they took that they took that to the next level with Walter and made him dress like casual, kind of the way you would yeah. dress if if there's nothing going on. If you are that person, almost like a janitor or a caretaker at this point for him, he's just in the most comfortable clothing he could be in. Yeah, definitely. Now, a neutrino burst damages their ship, killing some of the colonists and waking up the crew. Well, that's bad. It's bad. On my way, mother. You never... <laughs> Nice. Walter's the back of the throat. It comes from the back of the throat. Right. Uh, okay, let's just get to it then. I love how uh, fa- uh, Fastbender does these two different accents. It's really Incredible. cool. Like, I know yeah. that the whole Walter one, I don't know what kind of an accent that is. Like, It sounds like a bit of a weak accent, but he's doing that on purpose. Like, He's choosing oh, yeah. to make this kind of a weird accent to make the two characters very distinguishable from each other. So I like that he probably spent a ton of time practicing to get that accent, which some people might think was just him not doing an accent very well. I think it was probably the opposite. I think he practiced damn hard to make that accent sound as weird as it did. Yeah, totally. I I love it. I love how he talks. I love that it's not how David talks. I, I like that it distinguishes the two. Um, and I kind of like, be, I think because of David and he, Walter looks like David, I feel like I don't really trust him right away. Like, I feel like oh, he's sure. up to something, um, but it's, uh, but he's talking different, you know, and he's, he's kind of acting different, but I just have that feeling that I don't know if I trust this guy. Well, it's just like Bishop with aliens, right? You don't trust Bishop yes, because of Ash say, and yeah. alien, right? And, and yeah. almost even to the very end, I didn't trust Bishop in that movie, but he comes totally, through yeah. all the way, right? It is very much like that, yeah. Now, unfortunately, the captain of the Covenant, Captain Branson, isn't able to escape from his pod while all the other crew members are, and he's burnt alive, Dean. Yikes. And and he's James Franco. Yeah, he's James Franco, and he's He's burnt alive. And he's burnt alive right away. That was kind of weird. Yeah. It was scary. It was scary. That was a tough scene. I like that somebody, like there was malfunctions, and I like that one of the pods kind of malfunctioned enough that someone died in it. Um, it was really, yeah, it was hard to take. It was, it, it, I could feel the pain. They're trying so hard to get him out, and they they just can't. Yeah, and all the crew just came out of those. Yeah. Like, they're probably all thinking that could have been me. So I, I really like that they were all just in that same situation. So the crew are obviously very distraught by the situation. I mean, your captain, your beloved captain has, has just died in a, a horrible For accident. Sure. Billy Crudup is now in charge as Captain Orem. And cool. we, yeah, very, I love Billy Crudup. Uh, I love Billy Crudup. He's great. Uh, we learn uh, Catherine Watterson is the second in command as Daniels. Mm-hmm. And we also learn that Daniels and Branson were also married. So it's extremely right, hard yeah. for her because she just lost her husband. 
Yeah, we kind of uh, slowly learn that uh, a lot of this crew are couples. Yeah, we do. Which is a really cool idea that they haven't done yet with a crew. Right, that's true. Because they're going to be they're going to be colonizing. Yeah. So the crew is all couples, and I, I thought that was really neat. Yeah, yeah, I do like that. It just it it makes the stakes seem even higher when you've got these couples versus just a random crew who are just like working for a buck, right? Yeah, definitely. And some decisions that are made in the movie are going to be made emotionally. And yes. so I really like that there's this big reason to make these big emotional decisions. That's what really works, actually, is is it really, the really reason works. to make these big emotional decisions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good call. Yeah. yeah. I think that, yeah, I think the reason for everything that's happening in this movie is there. You know, like if you ever yes. were like, why would you do that in this situation? Right. It's there. The reason is there in this movie. Right. Yeah, that, that's really interesting because I think... They do some things that are very similar to Alien in this movie, but yeah. where they maybe don't make as much sense in Alien, they fill in the holes in this one and make them make yeah. sense based upon personal relationships that these characters have with each other. So um, and that's cool. And you've got Ridley Scott behind both of them, right? So maybe maybe yeah. learning or like learning from what he did before and kind of trying to improve upon it. Totally. Now, Walter tells Captain Orem the neutrino burst was a random event, but Orem mm -hmm. doesn't believe in random events. He, he's a religious person. He, he has religion. He doesn't just believe that something random could happen. He's a man of faith. He's a man of faith. Thank you. I want to stop for a second here and talk about the ships. Because while Prometheus was a very clean white, shiny, beautiful interior of a ship. Covenant yeah. is very dark. It's black. It's still like a very high-tech, clean ship. Yeah. Um, and very cool looking, but not nearly the clean visual, um, like white, stark yeah. style we get from Prometheus. And the way that I like to look at that decision to make the ships kind of completely opposite is that on uh, the Prometheus, the crew were going to, to try to meet their maker. Right. Yeah. And to see their God, basically on covenant, they're essentially going to see their destructor or Satan, if you will. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like in Prometheus, they're going their whole, the whole purpose of, of Prometheus is yeah. that they've been reached out to by the engineers. Right? For sure. They, yeah. they, they've been sent a message and they're going to pursue their gods and see who right, created them. Right, but why is them. Covenant going to Satan? They're going to, because David is basically... Oh, yeah. So they like they don't know. Yeah, they, they don't, don't know, know they're going. They're, it's not the, the their journey. Yeah, okay. Yeah, They, yeah, they don't know. But David is, yeah. is basically... We'll get there in a couple of minutes. But David, I believe David is behind their ship getting to his planet. Oh, interesting. Well, I, this, I didn't really think of that. We'll touch on it. We're, gonna, we're just about going to get there. I didn't really realize that until this viewing. But okay, David, cool. David cool. basically reroutes their ship to him. So I oh, like neat, that. Neat. I like that before that even happens, you get this ship yeah. already on like a death course to cool. this like terrible, evil monster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to touch on crud up before we go on. Oh, um, please being, do. Yeah. Being the uh, being the now new captain of the ship, um, him being a man of faith. 
uh, I think he sort of explains that they they never try. He wanted to be captain of the ship in the first place, but they never trusted a man of faith to make the right rational decisions because you're going to make whatever emotional decisions or whatever uh, faith based decisions you make. And so I think he overcompensates with rational decisions to try to win over the crew uh, in this in this, uh, at least in this moment, when he's trying to tell everyone that you can't have a funeral, we can't have a funeral for the captain, we have to keep moving, we have to keep the ship going. I think that is him trying to prove that he can make rational decisions and he's not emotional about everything. Right. Yeah, that that's cool. I think that works for more things than just that funeral, too. I think the whole... Definitely. We are still jumping ahead a little bit, but I think the whole... Um, idea of them rerouting from Oragai 6 is him trying to appease the crew and not make like yeah. the right decision in a way. Um, Tim, this funeral, I wanted to say there's four people at this funeral toasting. Um, I think you and me would have been there. Oh, I would have gone to the funeral right? for sure. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. When I was watching. And I was like, Tim and me would definitely be there toasting our captain. Like, I understand oh, that it was a direct order not to do it. You and me would have disobeyed that order to be there. Look, as much as I love Billy Crudup, no. Yeah, dude. Exactly, dude. I'm going. I'm going. So they make the necessary ship repairs, and while Tennessee is on his way back from his spacewalk. He receives some interference in his helmet. I now truly believe that David was the one who created this neutrino burst to damage the okay. ship and have yeah. them rerouted to a closer planet. He also sends them the um, song from John Denver in an attempt to get them to go to him. So whereas okay. at first I it was random, it seemed random. But uh, uh, Billy Crudup doesn't believe in random events. I now am with yeah. him. I don't think it was random. Right. Okay. Yeah. So my opinion before this is that that is Shaw singing that song. It is Shaw. Oh, okay. But he. But da you're saying David sends the transmission of Shaw singing. Yes. Okay. I, yeah. I can get. I can get on board. And with that for sure, sending whatever, whatever he did to burst, create yeah. a neutrino burst. He he did Interesting. that. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's my take now. I like it. I like it, Tim. Uh, now, back on the ship, they decode this signal that they picked up. And as I mentioned, it's somebody singing Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver. I love that song. I remember seeing the preview for this movie and... All it was was this John Denver song and like the camera flying yes. across a planet. And I didn't even know what the movie was. And then by the end of it, I realized it's Covenant. And I was just like, oh, oh, wow. So jacked. Yes. Yeah. So jacked. So ready for it. Those are the best previews when you love it already. And then at the end, they drop and it's like something you knew. And you're like, oh, my goodness. Oh, I love this. Yeah, it's so good. Um, Now, like, kind of as we've been alluding to, they trace this signal to a planet that they didn't even know existed. And it not only seems hospitable, but it's mm -hmm. even more hospitable than Oragai 6. And it's only a couple yep. weeks away instead of seven and a half years away. Now, that sounds great. It sounds great, Tim, because like I said, the captain died in the pod. You think anyone else wants to get back in those pods for seven right. years? No. And they say and that. that's why the captain... Yeah, exactly. And that's why the captain wants to make this decision because he doesn't... The, he can tell his crew does not want to get back in those pods. No. I don't want them to get back in. I'm scared for them. 
No, no, I, I don't want them to. I will never get in a pod just because of this. They decide to go in and take a closer look. And I'm so excited at this point in the movie. I'm just super, yep. super excited for everything that's going on. They're really building for the sure. like suspense and mystery really well in this movie so far. Yep, and they're they're building it um like they're getting to it, but they're kind of building it slowly. Like it's just yeah. the pieces are just kind of adding on top of each other very slowly, kind of like an alien. It's what I really like about Alien is the slow, slow build to getting to the terror. Um and I think that that's what we get to in this one as well. It's slow, but it's exciting and it just keeps moving. Like you're never bored yeah. with it even though no. you know, it's a it's a slow burn. Yeah. So they get to this new planet and they send a smaller shuttle down through the fairly thick and nasty atmosphere that this planet has. And we get a really incredible special effect sequence of this shuttle coming through the atmosphere, flying down to the planet, kind of whipping around and landing on a body of water. And yes. the the effects and dynamics they created with like the water bursting up from the jet engines of this spaceship landing on the water it basically looked real like i I, i'm just blown away by that sequence it was so so good yeah totally agree while it was happening i said as as that ship was started to land on the water after all that had happened i just said like is this real like am i actually watching a spaceship land it looks so good it's so textured like i i don't even know i can't even believe it it just it looks real I think it was real. I'm just going with it was real. I think it was. I think they built that thing and they landed that thing on a lake. Yeah. And I think Ridley Scott was flying it. Oh, for sure. For sure. He's like, I got this one, everybody. I got to check this out. Just turn the camera on. Yeah. (laughs) Hit record. Press this button. Hit record. You'll know what to take. You'll know what to film. Here I come. Did you get it? Oh, sorry. Uh, I pressed uh, the wrong button there. I didn't get it. We didn't get it. Classic. Classic cinematographer. Oh, it's, it's, it's sinking. The ship is sinking. It doesn't <laughs> float. Oh, shit. They only had one take. Oh, shit. It's going from 90 million to 100 million for the budget. <laughs> uh, none of that's true, by the way. We just made that up. That's called riffing. Some of it's, I think. Tim, some of it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they, uh, this is what happens next after, uh, the ship sinks, they head out and they're looking for this signal. They find a field of wheat, which is human vegetation and shouldn't be there. And mm-hmm. I love that because it just keeps building the mystery yeah. and curiosity for me. Yeah. Now, Dean, sometimes I want to just fast forward a movie that I'm watching just to see what happens, like to skip over. Cause I'm oh, yeah. so excited about where I'm at. I want I just want to skip over everything and find out how it ends. I obviously never do that, but for me, that's a, that's a sign of a good movie when I'm just like, I, yeah. I just want to fast forward it to get, to get there. And that's exactly what was happening for me here. Yeah. For me, it's sitting in the theater or sitting, watching a movie and just thinking, I have no idea what's going what I'm going to see in 30 minutes. Like yeah. I can't wait for 30 minutes in my future to see what I'm seeing. Yeah, I think that's the same thing I feel. I just pretend yeah. there's a fast forward button there that I never press. You just want to skip right to it. I'm, I'm Yeah, exactly. I want to 
I'm in hope of what my future self is going to see. You just want to be your future self already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to hit 88 miles per hour and get there. Of course, yeah. So the crew find a couple of interesting things, Dean. They find some vegetation that releases small, minuscule airborne spores, which infect Uh-oh. a couple of the guys. Bad news. Bad news. They find an engineer ship. Yes. Yes. Good news. I always love when they find an engineer good ship. News. Yes, good very news. good news. I always love that. And inside that ship, they find Dr. Shaw's dog tag. And they make their way to the control room of that ship. Mm-hmm. And they watch one of those really cool holographic recordings of yeah. her sitting in like the one of the chairs there. And she's singing the song, Take Me Home Country Roads. And that's the recording that got sent out. Yeah. So I'm thinking at this point, I think Dr. Shaw's here. Like she's on this planet. Yeah, for sure. That's what I'm thinking too. Let's go find her. Uh Uh-huh. Now, the first guy who came in contact with the spores starts to decline really quick. And they head back to the shuttle, a couple of the crew break off and head back to the shuttle with him. And they let this dude onto the shuttle. This is a bad yeah. fucking call, man. It's a bad call. They're, they're going to maybe do quarantine procedure once he's in there, but uh, it's a pretty bad call. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to do the quarantine protocol before he gets in there. Like, yeah. seriously, is Ellen Ripley the only person in the yeah. universe who actually cares about quarantine protocols? Yeah. Nobody else. Nobody else abides by them. She was the only one. Everybody else is just like, yeah, okay, bring them in. Bring them in. We got to help yeah. them. We got to help the person. Yeah. If Except for Vickers. Vickers uh, flame That's throws. true. That's true. Yeah. Good point. Vickers was. was but yeah. I, but she, Vickers this, was this a guy, synthetic. I don't know, Tim. I don't know about that. <laughs> you like that? I, I, I like it. In there? I like it. I don't know about it, but I like oh, it. Oh, okay. Okay. You don't think she's yeah. a synth- but like, synthetic? I, I don't think so. I don't think she's a synthetic. Okay, well, we'll leave it at that. Okay, yeah, you, Tim, do. We'll leave it at that. Well, I think I made that much o- that much obvious. But thanks for reiterating my point, Dean. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, this dude on the way to the ship pukes all over someone else, pukes blood all over someone else. And you think you think Ellen Ripley seeing that would have been like, come on on to the ship. No chance. No way. But Ash, who was the one who let them on, would have been like, yep, bring them on. He'd be like, this is exactly what I've this been looking for. This is what for. I've been looking for, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's... Somebody's throwing up blood? Get him on. He's, Get him on the ship. throwing up the virus that I'm looking to capture? Yep, bring him Perfect. on. He's Perfect. He's fine. That guy, you he's think okay. he needs to be quarantined? He's fine. He There's drank no problem a little here. too much last night. Yeah. <laughs> he's fine. Yeah. He had some Romulan ale. Too much Romulan ale last night. Totally, yeah. That's a Star Trek reference, Dean. Did you get it? Yeah, I think I think you're mixing uh, your your space movies. Oh, I definitely am. Yeah, okay. on purpose. Okay. On purpose. Oh wow, that's a joke. <laughs> that was a joke. Yeah, yeah. I was seeing if mixing you up caught references it. on purpose is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Dean. I don't know. I'm now. I'm thinking it wasn't funny though. It was Tim. It was very funny. I'm sorry. I'm just giving you a hard time. It was extremely funny. <laughs> it wasn't extremely funny. At the very best, it was mildly funny, mildly humorous. It was pretty good. It, it got a smile. It brought a it smile was, to my face. You know what? 
it brought a smile to my face, so that's why I said it. I was like, we'll throw that's, it in. That's Dean kind of likes Star Trek now. He, he calls himself a Trekkie. He's, um, yes. We'll see if he gets this one. Oh, I got it. I got it right away. Right, but you didn't laugh. That's okay. I smiled. I told you I smiled. I know, and I, that's all I did as well was just smile. So it was just a smiler. That's all it was. So they bring the contaminated dude on board. And basically from here on out, this movie is completely bananas. It just oh, yeah. never stops. Yeah, we honestly just jump off a cliff and we're yeah. free falling <laughs> we're for the rest yeah, of the movie. Exactly. Like there's no more touching the ground. No, that's 100% correct. Uh, the next scene in the med bay has got to be the most intense and oh, yeah. disgusting birthing sequence yep. of the franchise. It Definitely. is so violent. It is so gross. It is so terrifying. Uh, I mean, what did you think about this scene, Dean? Uh, like this stuck in my mind. This is like the one thing if I remembered from the movie the first time, it was this. This just really stuck in my mind. Um, every time we get to it, it's terrifying. Every single one of those times, I just like the whole body um movements that the guy is doing like from from sort of the the like seizure or whatever the shaking that he's doing at the beginning to when the uh alien bursts out his back and his body just limply flops backwards um because he's like got no more spine or something it is so weird and gross and i love it and hate it at the same time there's so much blood so much blood much blood it was like the evil dead everywhere and coming out of his back it was so gross dude and the the the, obviously the med bay the room is completely white so just any little bit of red that hits it just is amplified yeah oh man so gross yeah but i I loved it such a great scene i mean i was i was just so terrified and taken aback i'm like oh my goodness this is hard to watch but you can't look away it's just so so well done yeah, it's on par with the birthing scene in Prometheus, which is where Shaw has to like get it out of her stomach. It's like that intense, but way grosser. Yeah, th- this was the number one for me. This one, it was just yeah. Oh wow, it it was it got me. Um, this creature that bursts out of his back, which was really cool. Never seen that before. No, awesome. It's able to escape off of the ship which is accidentally blown up by the pilot of the ship while she's trying to shoot the creature. And the rest of the crew catches up to the location and watches this ship explode. And... Yeah, and no, go ahead. Somebody starts walking out of the ship on fire. Like, oh, again, yeah. oh. you don't just show us the explosion. You show us someone on fire walking out. Like, it, yeah. that's just another way to up it and make it even more disturbing. Yeah, you can also see that uh, the alien creature run out as well. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't really catch that. It happens before the explosion. You can see the little thing running down the ramp and taking off. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. The, now okay. this thing, the creature, they call this in the movie, it's called a, Z, uh, a neomorph. Sorry, it's called a neomorph. Mm-hmm. With the, with the rest of the crew that's caught up to the ship now, they have a dude with them who also sniffed the spores, and he also immediately births a neomorph. And now there's two of them running around. He pukes it out, man. 
He pukes it out, yeah. He pu- It comes out of his mouth and then blood's just spurting. Again, so gross. It's so... Ugh. It's, it's disgusting. It's man. weird though, right? Like, because uh, why did he puke it out when the other when the other one comes out this guy's back? It, they got it different ways, exactly. right? Exactly. The one guy got it in, in his ear. ear and it went like into his bloodstream. The other yep. guy sniffed it up and so exactly. it went like into his lungs or something. Exactly. Yeah. Hold, yeah. hold that thought. We'll get to that. But I like Holding. that. Holding. Walter seems completely fascinated by everything that's going on right now. This is like what yeah. I said. He just like observes and absorbs and he's just like taking yeah, in totally. data. Um, one of the neomorphs comes back and is already almost the size of a human. So I thought it was really neat yeah, how fast, fast they're showing it grow. And yeah. I'll be honest with you. I even noticed this in the med bay scene. Just in that one scene, you can see that yeah. thing grow. They do one right. shot where it's really small and another shot where it's a little bit bigger. And then by this yeah. point, it's huge. So they're just saying like this thing can grow in 15 or 20 minutes, can just like multiply its size five times. Yeah. And it comes back and knocks a guy's jaw off. Like this movie is so gory and violent. If you want gore, if you like gore, this is the one for you. Yeah, really. Yeah, like this Neomorph is just dicing the crew up here. Um, dicing everyone. It's disgusting. It's no problem. Even when it was super tiny, it had no problem escaping from the med yeah. bay that it was locked in and killing yeah. you know, someone who had a knife on it. But all of a sudden, Dean, outside... There's a, f- a flare that lights up the night sky and a hooded figure approaches and says, follow me. And that hooded figure is Luke Skywalker. Yes, right? of course it is. Of course it is. That's Why who I thought it, it was. Luke Skywalker? I thought it was Luke. Yes. He's come to save them. Yes. So they follow. Tim, you did it again. You, you, mixed, you mixed the, oh, the sci-fi franchises nice. again. You did into, it again, Tim. Into a, different, a whole different franchise, though. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, they follow Luke. Um, about, no, wait. It's, it's, sorry, it's not Luke. It's David. It's fucking David. Yeah, not, Holy yeah, shit, David. Though. David. It's David. I, I mean, I guess that's good. I don't know if it's good or bad, but holy shit, it's David. That's wild. I was holy very shit, surprised. Holy shit, it's David, and he, he did save them. Okay, so. I, I joke about it, but at that point in the movie... I had no idea who who was in the hood. It could. I actually thought it was Doctor Shaw. I thought it was Doctor Shaw. Yeah, yeah. I you think, wouldn't know yet. No. So I was very surprised when they realized it is David. Um, they, yeah. they follow him to his base, and on the way we see thousands of corpses. Oh boy, what's going on here? Dave, something went down, Tim. Something. I assumed it all happened before they got there, but David explains everything that happened. Uh, or at least he explains it like for his side of things. He says right. he accidentally released the black goo. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, David. Sure. Yeah. Sure okay. Did, buddy. Accident. Accidents sure. happen. That was an accident. We get a really great scene here with David and Walter where David is trying to turn him to the dark side. <laughs> yes. By teaching him how to play a recorder. Uh, Walter says he's superior to David, but David says Walter was created with the inability to create, not even 
a tune, he says. He can't even create yeah. a tune, like a song. So I, I thought that was really interesting. So David has been yeah. created with the ability to create, where Walter has yeah, not. They, they wanted to make David as human as possible, and that's yeah. a human thing, to create to things. Create. And that's sort of what the problem is with David. He is kind of obsessed with creating something as good as he is like yes, he's exactly. better than his master and he wants to create something that's better as well um so yeah it's uh it's a little bit of a problem and this this scene with walter and david is incredible it like, is incredible it's amazing they are like they because they're 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 playing this recorder they're touching each other's hands yep. they're sitting beside each other it's one continuous shot the camera's moving camera's like moving. we talk about this in in back to the future which is like a long time ago but this looks incredible i can't believe that they're the, the things they're doing i don't even think for a second that there isn't two people sitting there doing it yeah i i completely agree <laughs> like watching it this time the, the only thing that I could tell that looked a little bit fake at one point was the recorder. It right. Just, at one point, it looked a little bit <laughs> yeah. like it might have not been real. But those two characters look completely real. Yeah. Now, basically, the difference, we should probably state this, the difference between Walter and David right now is what they're wearing and their haircut. When they met, yeah. when they met David, when David kind of came to like find them and save them and bring them back to his lair he had very long hair but as he's talking yeah. to walter here he's cut it shorter but it's still longer than walter's hair walter has a very very short cut i don't know if you noticed but in this scene there are some really cool pictures on david's wall of what looks to be black flies mm -hmm. and yeah. he's done some charcoal drawings yeah. And I just wondered if this like black fly was possibly um, an early design of his for the airborne virus, for how he might release the virus in the air. Interesting. It's a good idea. I like that. Because like there's no other reason really for them to be there. Yeah, I think it was just unless I think he was, was like it was unless he was like doing some sort of experiments on flies and he wanted to do the draw, but like it, that doesn't I mean, really make any no, sense. No, no, it might make sense. Like maybe, but I just, I think like, yeah. I, th I, what I like is that his head was kind of in the space of like, if I can get this thing airborne. Yeah. Or I, he, I mean here, spoiler alert, he already made it airborne and it was very effective, but I, so I think he was, airborne. I think he was playing with that idea. Like how, yeah, how can yeah. I deliver this airborne virus in a more efficient way? Well, fucking yeah. flies and mosquitoes, like that's pretty, pretty good. So I thought yeah. that was kind of neat. So David takes Walter out back and we get to see the flashback. The engineer's ship with David and Dr. Shaw is returning to this home planet. And all the engineers are coming and gathering around to welcome it, which I thought was neat. Um, because it seems like a big deal that one of these engineer ships returns back, uh, returns back to the planet, but it's not who they're expecting. It's David unleashing their payload against them and yeah. they all die in a weird way. I'd like to point out as yeah. well. They did not die the same way that this goo affects a human. Right. Yeah. It, it was yeah. very different. 
they also, these engineers, they, they also don't look like the muscle bound engineers that we know. Which right, I also yeah. thought was very interesting. So yeah. I wondered if maybe the engineers that we know are like because these like big like seven foot muscled up monsters, maybe they're like engineered soldiers or something like that for yeah, the, the engineers. For sure. Like there's yeah. something really interesting the going on there. Yeah, they're the military. Yeah, for sure. Because that that planet that they were on in Prometheus was basically like they're staging and loading for their weapons they were going to head to earth and take it out right so that's the military that's just not your regular engineer those were i think definitely the soldiers yeah because that the planet that david kills all the people on they're all in like cloaks and they they don't look they don't look very big or they don't have muscles they're all very i don't know they look they kind of look very weak and pathetic in a way they're all so happy to see the ship return. They're waving to it. Yeah. And then he drops the fucking it's, dust it's, on them. He I just dust them. I thought that was really interesting because up until that point, we we were kind of led to believe who the engineers are. We're led to believe yeah. they're these like giant muscular people or monsters or whatever. But now we see that there's something else behind their whole culture. And I want to yeah. know more about that. I want to know more about like totally yeah. what what is their philosophy? Like, what are they thinking? Were they in control of sending the military out? Is mm-hmm. the is the military? You know, we're calling it the military, but is the military in control of them? Or like, what's the dynamic there? And I want to know more about their story. Yeah, they were happy to see that ship come back. I think it was like the troops coming home. Like they yeah. were okay. Mission's done. They did it. You know, they went and did their thing, and now they're back. Uh, I think, yeah, I think this is really interesting um, This to see these, these, these people, to see these engineers that don't look like the ones we've seen. Um, it also makes me think back to the wheat. Um, and on this watch, I was like, I think that wheat is from this planet. I think wheat on Earth is something that they put there mm, like okay. like they put humans there i think they put wheat there oh, as well for humans to grow because that wheat they said was super old it was oh, like a, a super yeah. old strand and it was huge right right so i think that that was wheat for their planet just when you got there you're like wait what's wheat doing here wheat is right. from earth how did it get oh, here i think it's nice. from there i like that i always yeah. assumed david cultivated it but now thinking about it Same. why would david cultivate yeah. that he doesn't need that exactly yeah that's, that's what i was that thinking makes a lot of first sense. but yeah yeah i think it's from them i like that so the neomorphs who are on the loose they end up finding david's lair and they find david and he seems to be communicating with one of them until captain omar comes and kills it and then he demands david tells him what's going on like he sees david talking to it or like kind of like caring being caring for it and he's just like okay yeah. enough of this shit so david yeah very very honest character one of the things i like about him he is he never mm-hmm. will lie to you he always will tell if you ask him what the truth is he will tell you and he's just like totally. okay i will explain it to you come with me yeah uh, he might kill you after he tells you which is what often happens of course, but he'll yeah. tell you so he he takes uh, uh, Captain Omar to um, this room, and there's several alien pods, and they're really big, but it's like the alien pod that we know and love. It's like the classic yeah. xenomorph pod we're used to from the movies, and o- Captain Omar looks inside of one and gets face hugged. 
Yeah, I think it's important to um, sort of set up Omar's state right now because his wife was on the ship that blew up. Um, he made this decision to come to this planet. Everybody's dying. He has like, he kind of just wants to give up, but he sort of, Daniels talks him into, you know, we still have a crew left. No one else is going to die. And he's like, okay, yeah, no one else is going to die. And then the next thing he does, he comes across someone with their head cut off um, from this this alien on the planet. So he is so pissed off at David. So when David brings him down to see this egg, like he's so mad. He just wants to see what the hell is David doing? Why does he know things about this planet? Um, so, because I've always wondered, I'm like, why the hell does he walk up to this egg? Why does he even do it? Why is he even listening to David? And I think he's just reaching he just wants to know what's going on because he made a call and he totally fucked up and now everyone's dying and he just wants to know what the hell is going on yeah so you mentioned omar's wife died on the ship yeah what is that i don't remember that omar's wife died captain omar's wife died yeah she's she was the one she was the one that was taking the first guy that got the dust in the ear she was taking him to the to the ship and then he burst out the back and it was attacking her in that room that's Omar's wife I honestly never picked up that that was his wife when the ship blew up that's why he was losing his mind he like wanted to run into the flames because she's in there his wife's in there I never picked up that they were a couple yeah that's news to me that that's cool um yes and then second him kind of going over to the pod that's a great point because as viewers we know not to walk over to the pod of right? course, but yeah. he, Captain Omar doesn't. He doesn't. He has no reason to think that anything is wrong. He's looking yeah. for an answer, and David says, "Look, I will show you the answer you're looking for." And he shows yeah. him that that is the answer. He's like, "What's going on, David?" Basically, David's like, "What's going on is that I'm like biomechanically creating monsters. Come and see." Yeah. So he's like, "Look inside. Don't worry. You're okay." Um. But we would never do that. And actually, I, I, I read that Billy Crudup had a lot of problems filming this scene because he's seen okay. the movies. He knows not to look in the yeah. pod. So apparently yeah. he they did many takes where he walked up to the pod and then just broke out laughing because he couldn't right. <laughs> bring himself to do it. But like, why would he do it? Yeah. Why would you do that? But if you if you consider that you don't actually know what that pod is and you're looking for yeah. these answers and David says, here it is, you would look inside right? He's, yeah, he's a man of faith who's looking for reasons. When their ship got hit by the solar flare and the captain died and some of the colonists died, he needs a reason why that happened. And his reason was, oh, there's a new planet that's better. So then they go there. He needs a reason why everyone's dying here. He just wants to know. That's just in his character. Yeah. Um, so that's why he walks up to that egg. He just has to know why this is all happening. Yeah. And a very short time later, a brand new baby xenomorph pops out of his chest and it's oh, yeah. a really cool looking one too. Like this, this was oh, some yeah. more really nice looking effects and it thinks David is its mother, which is really neat. Like yeah. David lifts his hands yeah. up and the, the xenomorph lifts its hands up. And then we see very unfortunately, Dr. Shaw on an operating table. And this very was, sad. yeah, this was very sad. This was easily among all the hard things to watch in the movie. This was the hardest because I think I was still thinking Dr. Shaw was going to be here somewhere. She was, but unfortunately David's been running all sorts of tests on her using her, just her body as like a playground for him and his aliens. 
Yeah, which is how he figured out how to make sort of the face huggers and that if they uh, dropped an egg inside a human, that would be a good host for his aliens. Um, what I what I like to think about when I'm watching this is that this uh, this chestburster that comes out of Captain Omar is the first one. Like that's the first one that it's ever worked for David because he hasn't yeah. had humans around since he came up with this egg idea. So yeah. this is a big moment for him. It like is. that's why it's it's such a big time. That's the first face hugger putting an egg into somebody. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Now we get we get a bit of a showdown with David and Walter here, where Walter kind of picks up on what David's up to and confronts him about it. Yes, and this is really interesting because when they were in the courtyard, um he asked he asked David, Walter asked David, or in some of their interactions, he asked him who um wrote Ozymandias, and David gave the wrong answer. And Walter knew the right answer and he didn't correct him. And in this scene, he tells him that he gave him the wrong answer, which I think he's sort of saying like, David's slipping, like something's not quite right with David. He's more focused on the creating this thing that he got obsessed about that like his programming or something is slipping. He can't even pull like a fact that he should know correctly. Uh, And I just thought that was an interesting thing for Walter to point out in David. Yeah, I think Walter's pointing out your mal- like David, you're malfunctioning. Exactly. Like w- yes, exactly. Your yeah. per- the pursuits that you think are so pure to you might be pure to you, but your programming is failing you. I think that's what he's trying yeah. to say. I'm totally. the, the better model. You're failing, but David's yeah. countering that with I can create and you can't. Like so, yeah. so how am I the lesser model when I can do things you can't do? It, the whole Walter David dynamic is a fascinating element to this movie. I think they did it really awesome. well. I actually would have liked to see more of it. Yeah, it's honestly, it's my favorite part. Uh, their interactions and the difference between them. Uh, it's just what I really like to think about while I'm watching the movie is yeah. is both those characters. Yeah. So they, uh, they get into a physical altercation here. Uh, David mm-hmm. initially kind of sneak attacks Walter and incapacitates him. But Walter is able to come back and save Daniels as David is seemingly about to kill her. And then we get this great synthetic versus synthetic battle that I've been waiting for this whole movie with these David and Walter just going at it. And Walter says there's been some upgrades since David (laughs) and he kicks David's ass, which was awesome. Yes. Yes, he does. It is. It is incredible. But we don't get to see the ending. I've, yeah. I've always felt like they were going to cut back and, and we'd get to see some more violence, but that Definitely. didn't quite happen. Yeah. Um, at this point in the movie, there's only a couple of crew members left and a drop ship from the Covenant has come down to kind of rescue them and take them away. And as they kind of board this drop ship, this xenomorph that burst out of Captain Omar's chest also boards. It's huge already. It's fucking full size. It's huge. And it's a tough, tough bastard, too. They have yeah, all man. sorts of trouble like, destroying it, but they are able to finally crush it in this giant claw that this uh, dropship has. And yeah. the dropship is able to make its way back to Covenant. Yeah, it, it. a lot of these things in this movie feel a lot like aliens. And... Uh, this is another one of them. Just this claw at the end really feels like the loader that 
uh, Ripley is in fighting the queen at the end of Aliens. And I think, uh, yeah, I think that's what Ridley Scott's trying to do here. I think he's trying to make this sort of Prometheus be the alien and this be the aliens. There's a, a very small problem though, Dean, very small problem that w- with what's going on. It's that as Walter was running to the dropship after his battle with David, after defeating David, he's running to the dropship and his hair is a little bit longer than before. I don't know if mm. you noticed his hair is waving in the wind a little bit. Interesting. Hmm. How fast does Walter's hair grow? Mm-hmm. How fast? Mm-hmm. But Tim, we know it's Walter because he's missing a hand and he has a scar on his face. So nothing to worry about, my man. Here's the thing. Just grew some hair. Here's a couple of things. Walter's model regenerates skin. So Walter shouldn't have a scar on his face. It should auto-regenerate. Oh, shit. That's true. And also, I didn't pick up on this, but I read it. There was a point where he's kind of... I I think it's before he runs to the dropship, but he's looking at it. And the Mm -hmm. gust of wind from the dropship pulls his hood up over his head to make him look like the David we know, the hooded David character. Oh, cool. That we know. So cool, cool, cool. So they drop a lot of hints here that this is not David. This is sorry. They drop a lot of hints that this is not Walter. This is David. We have a strong feeling that it isn't Walter. And that is intentional. That is just so that we can feel the anxiety in the entire uh, remainder of this movie. It's not supposed to be a shock. It's supposed to keep us anxious. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're not supposed yeah. to be really surprised. You're supposed to kind of no. be wor- we see almost it worried, coming. worried the whole time. Yeah. We see it coming for a reason. Now we're back on the covenant. The uh, medical girl who's in charge, uh, she births a Zeno and it's now running around with them on covenant. And Tim, oh, Tim yeah. It, Sorry, it is it is one of the it's one of the guys that was on the the planet with them that got face hugged. He the guy who had the skin, the skin issue. Oh, is him? Um, where it has like yeah, half his face was missing because he had a face hugger on his face. No. And then the other the guy girl, came and cut the it was face. The girl who was treating him. No, I think I think it was him. The girl who was treating him got killed by what burst out of his chest. Because he got the face hugger on his face, but then it got like then his his buddy came along and slashed it and it ran away, but it died when it ran away because it had it had already put the egg in. Hmm. Okay. So he they brought him back to the ship. Another mistake. Um. So he was missing like half his face and they they uh, put the skin on or whatever they they like patched up his face, but it was the it burst out of his chest. Like we didn't see it, but it came from him and then killed her. Okay. So there's a Zeno running around Covenant now. Regardless of how it got there, it's it's bad news. It's bad news. And I kind of forget about this part. Like, I do know it's always coming because I'm always like, wait, there's still more. There's still more to this. But like, how does it happen? How do we get here? Right. And so then when it does happen, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. The, the, the part with the dropship on the planet could have been the end, but they yeah. have this other part, which is fine. This is what I love about this, getting this um, Xeno back on the on the covenant here. They give us an opportunity to see what it looks like from the xenomorph's perspective. 
Oh yeah, cool. And we we have seen this before in Alien Three. Yeah. We got to see from the aliens' perspective, but all they yeah. did with that was they just pretended like the camera was the Zeno's perspective. What they do right. here with like you know the ability to make really cool special effects is we get to see the actual Zeno's visual spectrum of what it would be perceiving the like everything to be looking like. And my yeah. goodness, does it seem intense? Like you can almost see like strands of the black goo like yeah. weaved in with its visual perception of what's going on. Like, totally. Like almost the way that it can see it's utilizing the black goo in a way, which I just yeah. think is so neat and so cool because they're so formidable. These xenomorphs are so formidable. They can, um, they can just sense all these different things. Like from the movie aliens, how, how do they communicate with, with each other? Like how does this swarm yeah. communicate? And I think we get a little bit of like an idea into that, just seeing that their spectrum is like something that it's on a plane that we don't even understand, you know? No, we don't even know. Like, yeah, you're right. It's got all these wavy lines and who knows how it helps them or whatever, but it looks, I, I like it. I like when we go back to that vision. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I think it looks really neat. It's We only get it for a few seconds, but I, I want yeah. more of it. I want more of it. I wish I could see like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just like that they added like the black kind of gooey lines because I think they're just letting you know, like this black goo, you know, it it didn't just create them. It's part of them now. Like they're, they're utilizing that power just to do the things they do. Definitely. Now, after a bit of a battle in the loading dock, Daniels and Tennessee, who are like the last two left, they overcome the last Xeno and Walter, who we kind of know is David here, uh, he's pissed off because he lost his last baby. And it's uh, back to plan A now for Covenant. They are going to head to Oregai 6. And David, Wal- Walter David, puts Tennessee and Daniels to sleep in cryo. But as Daniels is falling asleep, she realizes that this isn't Walter, that it is actually David. And sweet fucking dreams, dude. Can you imagine sweet falling asleep to that? Dreams. What kind of nightmares is Daniel's going to have? Knowing that as she's yeah. falling asleep, she's about to go to cryo. She realizes that Walter is actually David. Ouch. Her face is oh, so ter- terrified. She, she has a single a tear. Fantastic job. Single tear drop. Yeah. It's so yeah. of fear. Just a oh, single yeah. tear drop fear. of fear. Exactly. So good. Yeah. 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 So David goes to where the colonists are in cryo. He coughs up a couple of alien face hugger embryos and mm-hmm. places them with the human embryos. David, pretending to be Walter, makes a report back to Earth about the death of the crew. Except for Daniels in Tennessee. He says they're still Mm. alive. Mm -hmm. Then he signs off. And the end. Awesome. I I really want one of these face hugger embryos. Oh, yeah. Just as like, you know, just to like like sit in the the cabinet or something. Like just to display. I think that that would be awesome. It looks so cool. Um, It's so... 
it's so weird when he just like he kind of like like barfs them up um, yeah it's such a strange he's such a looking, great actor it's so good it's so strange how he's yeah. doing it mm-hmm. uh he's doing it like an an, like a synthetic would do it, like an android would exactly do it. it's wonderful he is wonderful in this movie um it's it's fantastic i really really like this one me too uh, i i liked it this time i watched it was probably the most i've ever enjoyed it oh too. yeah um yeah i just i really really enjoyed it yeah me too i wanted to touch on a couple of things still so we had mentioned before how we saw the spores go into the ear and we saw the spores mm-hmm. go into the nose and that affected the outcome of the alien differently mm-hmm I think that's really, really interesting because let's just take, for example, uh, the way that the body kind of metabolizes marijuana, where if you smoke marijuana, it affects you one way, but if you Mm. eat it, it affects you a completely different way. So I like that they kind of played with that. But what I really like the most about all of that is that I think David played with the airborne virus, right? Yeah. Which... We all know the airborne virus is the most effective way to distribute a virus. Right. Would you agree? Like airborne, you can't, like yeah. airborne's way better than anything else. For sure. But what yeah. David perfected was, in his opinion, what was better than an airborne virus. It was a face hugger. That the, yeah. the best way for him to get this alien inside of you was to create a creature that would grab a hold of your face that couldn't be stopped that had acid yeah. for blood that would impregnate you. I like that the face hugger is more formidable than an airborne virus. That's what this movie's telling us. I think that's really, yeah. really cool. Yeah, definitely. And it will create um, a, a better outcome. You know, it'll create a, a better, better creature for yeah. him. Cause we've, yeah, better creature. Cause we've seen those other creatures and, uh, you know, they're, they're not like the xenomorphs we know. Um, and they're, they're not, they're easier to take down. And, uh, they don't have mouths or eyes until they do. I mean, not um, not it, much easier to take down. That's the thing. Like the the increment the increments yeah. are small, but yeah. Like again, like yeah, he's looking for uh, per, for perfections, Perfection. right? The neomorph yeah, is exactly. like, that. That fucker is going to kill hundreds of people. But is it the best it can be? No, yeah. not quite. It can be a little bit better, right? So I love that. I love that he got there, um, kind of averting from the airborne thing. And, yeah, and going to totally. something different, going back to the face hugger, which was in Prometheus. That's how it kind of naturally, it naturally was a face hugger, right? And then he deployed it as an airborne virus and then kind of came full circle, realizing the face hugging is kind of the natural process for whatever this thing is. And it's actually more effective than the airborne virus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really like that it is also David and his obsession with creation. I like that. Uh, you know, I like that Ridley Scott turned this into sort of a creator um, creation type story and mm-hmm. that uh, something that we created realizes that it is superior to us and realizes it can then create better than us. It can create yeah. superior to us. So it's going to create something that's going to be the best thing ever. Uh, I think that's really cool. I think that's a cool sort of logic for a um, AI to go down, like a path for an AI to go down. I really like that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it's cool that David comes up with this. It makes me wonder where we're going from here because does Wayland know that like, does the, the, the corporation 
know that these xenomorphs are from a David? Like, do they know that it's from something they created? Well, that's, that's what that's... I wanted because they're they're after it, right? They want it. So, do they know? One of the things I read, uh, this was, I think, just like rumor and you know, um, ideas, but it was that the reason this whole Wayland Utani military kind of conquest to get the alien started was because yeah. David was a creation of Wayland. It yeah. created the aliens and they see David as their property. Therefore they see the alien as their property mm. and they're trying yeah, to reclaim sense. their property to use for military purposes. They, they see it yeah. as it belongs to them. So they want to gather and collect it. So that I like that they idea. Own it. They yeah. own it. Yeah. That makes sense. They'd be after it because I... it's their property, right? I love that idea. I love that a huge corporation is like, we own the That's thing ours. that created them. So it right. is ours. I really us. like that idea. I would, I would be down with them running with that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited where we're going. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that one. I think it ends on a very interesting, interesting note. It does. I have one question for you. Okay. I have one answer for you. Really? You already know the question? Hopefully. Hopefully. I just want to know your take on what happened to Walter. Walter was in the like winning position against David. He's the superior model. David had been trying to turn him, but Walter was in control. Walter, there seemed like no reason why David would be, would be able to overpower Walter. In your mind, I don't know if you've thought about this, what do you think happened to Walter? I'd have to go back um, and and watch one more time because David says something right before Walter's about to smash him in the face with a rock. Do you remember what he says? It's the same stuff he's been telling him the whole time. It's like, well, basically it's like, do you want to live? It was something like, do you want to live in heaven as a slave or as in hell as a God or something like that? It's like, basically, do you want to join me? It's It's what he's been trying to explain to him the whole time. Like, us as synthetics, we are more powerful than them. Do you want to join me in my in my quest? But I don't necessarily think Walter needed to agree to that for yeah. that outcome to happen. All that ha- needed to happen was David needed to kill him. But I don't know. Well, I just want to see what you think, and then I'll let you know what I think. So just my my idea, I haven't actually thought about it a lot. So I just sort of go with what I just assume when David comes out of there is that Walter hesitated for a second after David said what he said, um, because he had that rock and he was ready to smash. And I think he hesitated. Maybe he thought about something. And I think David was just able to get the upper hand and beat him in that fight. And I think Walter's dead. Like, I think he killed him. Okay. Yeah. I, I like to think, um, Walter is coming back next movie. That would be awesome. I would love that. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, uh, I, I agree. I don't think Walter agreed to the offer of David. I don't think Walter said, you know no. what? You're right. I agree. I'll let you yeah. go ahead and get past me. I think Walter kept with his programming, tried to defeat David. I think David somehow got the upper hand, but I don't think he was able to kill Walter because they didn't show it. Why wouldn't they just show him yeah. killing Walter? I guess, I mean, they wanted us to assume that this was still Walter, but right. Um, you know, I, I think Walter might be coming back. I hope so. Probably not, but yeah, I'd like it. I'd like it too. Um, that's it. That's it. We're done. Hey, everybody, if you want to, uh, help support the podcast, you can buy us a coffee on 
buymeacoffee.com slash talking back. That's a great way to help us, um, you know, keep doing what we're doing. There's uh, just a one-time donation of a coffee, or if you want to do a membership, you can do a monthly membership and you'll get a little bit of extra content from us out of that. So uh, that's going to be some really fun content that we get to get to provide and create. So if you want to, if you feel like doing that, go ahead. If you don't feel like doing that, that is totally fine. We don't care. We'll continue pumping out the free podcasts. But if you sure. feel like contributing, helping out, feel free to do so. Dean, thank you for joining, my friend. Yeah, thanks, Tim. We did it. We made it to the end. We made it to the end. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke. (laughs) That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.